What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What up, world, and welcome to the Kaiser Show. <laughs> You're supposed to hit it with the uh, with the with tagline or whatever. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So now we can do it. <clears throat> we can both be a part of the intro. Oh, okay, okay. Do it again. <clears throat> what up, world, and welcome to the Kaiser Show, where we talk about all things <laughs> Kaiser. <laughs> What's our tagline? You were going to say, today we're going to deep dive into injury or something. You said something. Oh, I thought I I had to have a tagline. No, maybe we're not. We're we're not there yet. Tagline. Okay, here we go. We're going to rewind it. (laughs) Are we really going? We've been going, yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I need to just have a moment. (sighs) Okay. Team. What up, world, and welcome to the Kaisa Show. In today's episode, we're going to talk about... I need to, I need to rehearse this. Oh, wow. I take it all back where I said that you just got this locked. You just show up. You're not nervous. Oh, it doesn't seem like you're nervous. I'm not just... nervous. Oh, not man. nervous. I'm blacking out. Yeah, I can do that part too. I'm blacking out on what I'm saying. Um, What's up, team? And welcome to the Kaisa Show. Well, that was my part. Oh, 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 okay. So, so what should I do? I was going to say, you could like, you know, today in today's podcast, we're going to talk about... Movement history. Movement history. Injuries. injuries, And so much more. And whatever else we go through. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Now I feel like all this is maybe going to make the cut. Oh, no. (laughs) What up, world? And welcome to the Kaisa Show. Today, we are talking about my movement history, injuries, and so much more. First, cheers. Let me open my hop water. (laughs) Which is so fire. Cheers to that. First, let's dive into some hot topics. I feel like we have started a trend that we need to continue. Okay. But I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Do you have any hot topics from the past week that you would like to discuss or share with the team or share with me? Let's see. I feel like hot topics is a bit of a um, heavy, that kind of puts a little pressure. Oh, too much. But I would say, I want to call this segment, What's Buzzing? (laughs) (laughs) And I want to give a little history on what my dad actually one time was telling us this story, my wife and I, and he was talking about how he got logged out of his apartment and before that, though, he was in his good mood. He says, I was cleaning the house. I was buzzing. And Priya, my wife, and I looked at each other. And we're like, he was buzzing. And it became this funny thing. This was like two years ago. Now we use that term all the time. What are you buzzing on? Ooh, what's your buzz? Oh, yeah. I see where you're going with this. Okay, cool. So what are you buzzing what on What am right I buzzing now? on? Let me think, because there's a couple things. Okay. Headphones. It's always really? products with me. Yeah, you're a product that's guy. A, that's I like the way that. it goes. Yeah. Okay. I've been looking for the perfect headphone. Ooh. 
15 years. Okay, wait. Minimum. What? Okay, there's been so much evolution in headphones in 15 years. What is your problem? Possibly you have odd ears, I though. I have weird ears. Yep, yeah. I kind of do, too. Here's I think. the thing. I'm not alone. No, you're not. There's more people out there. So... I have gone through every iteration. Mainly the, the struggle with headphones for me is I like to like work out with them or bike or walk or whatever. And they never stick it in like mm. any AirPod, not even a chance. I mm. had to get like an ex, like a piece to go wrap on the AirPod. No, not the wrap around <laughs> inner ear. So Bose, Bose was the best that I ever found, which is actually what I'm wearing right now. These okay. are wired though, right? Shout out. Shout out to Bose. But then I'm about to like kind of bring Bose down a notch. I have then the wireless ones, right? They're great, but they don't connect to certain things. It's like annoying or there's a delay or something like that, right? Really annoying. So I found the Beats. What is it? Beats Fit Pro, Yeah, I think is what they are. So yeah. they have the little hook on the, the mm-hmm. bud. So it stays in your ear. I'm running, mm-hmm. I'm doing kettlebells, I'm doing yoga, mobility with Kaisa. I'm doing whatever they stay in. They're noise canceling in their earbuds, which is, I mean, that's not like that groundbreaking now. Like most have that. Yeah. They work on the plane. They work when I'm working out. We are not getting paid for this. No, we're not. <laughs> but we're just sharing things we love. I, right? I love that. Also, did you know that back in the day, I think it was probably one of the first things I did alone, I did a Beats commercial. I remember the commercial. Do you? Yeah, you were like walking. Was it like in LA? I like how you're like, yeah, that's the one. You were walking. Yeah. I already like sold it. <laughs> yeah, and you were like in it and you were doing <laughs> fitness stuff. Yeah. No, I do remember it though. Uh, because it was actually when I first met you, we were doing the research and I was like, oh, okay, okay. she got a little oh, Beats okay. commercial going. And I, that was one of my, I was so proud of that moment because Beats is a cool brand. Yeah. Like they're so cool that when they reached out to do the collaboration, they basically just said, we don't pay, <laughs> you know, like we want to do this collaboration with you, but you should be honored that we want to do it with you. And because we want to do it with you, you just do this for free. What a sell. What a sell. You should be honored to work with us, which, you know, but... I was. Yeah, yeah, you were. I also was... I negotiated my way not to do it for free, because I will say, a businesswoman. We're not going to put the contract out there. We're not going to put it out there, but... Yeah. It was a good look, though. And I think at the time, especially back then, I mean, that was probably like five or six years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was... did They didn't sell to Apple yet, did they? I think the merger might have just happened. Okay. Possibly. I don't know even. But yeah, so the cool thing to the Beats Fit Pro that I mm-hmm. that I love, they also are now, since they're owned by Apple, they have like the same chip as the AirPods. So they work exactly like, so they connect so good. Oh. They connect to my Peloton. They connect to my meditations. Wow. They connect when I'm just taking a walk. They're wow. just to my watch, to everything. <laughs> I'm just connected. I'm so happy. You don't understand. I'm gonna go find mine. Yes. I have so I have so many Beats headphones because yeah. they they just hooked us up with so much. But so it's interesting you're saying headphones because I was on the airplane yesterday and um, the Apple ones really don't fit in my ear that yeah. well either. They're kind of constantly falling out. Totally. So, yeah. So here's the thing: I have like the over the ear right Bose Sound Sport whatever. Yeah. They're great, but here's when you're on a plane. You want to take a little nap or you want to like rest your head. And when the headphone, like the cup, when it hits the seat or the window or anything, it gets a, it gets all weird. And it's like, you're not napping, right? So when I had the, that was the ultimate test. I was like, all right, even if they're just workout headphones and I'm so, okay, that's fine, right? They don't have to work. It's not like I'm flying ever, really. Yeah, you are. Every once in a while. But 
I happened to have a trip and then I got to test them and I was like, I was so excited. Let's say I was buzzing. Buzzing. <laughs> Mic drop. One last part of it. They also have this, which is again, not unique to them, but they have a um, transparency mode. So you you activate the little transparency mode and it turns the mic on to your environment. So it kind of amplifies what's going on around you while you're listening to your music. So if like I'm doing a workout and my kids in the other room and I obviously want to hear it in case he's like choking or screaming or something, I can hear him versus if I'm all noise canceled out and I'm just like yeah. in my groove and yeah. then, you know, the house is on fire or something, <laughs> probably not a good thing. So it gives you this opportunity to stay connected you know, connected fitness, connected yeah, to life. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I definitely am in search of better headphones. So I might have to go dig up my old Beats by Dre. No, don't dig up your old ones. They're definitely not going to be the no. status of these ones that I'm talking about right oh. now. <laughs> Those are probably like wired. No, they were not. They were wireless at okay, the time. At the so time. maybe it wasn't that long ago that I did my. It was definitely at least five years it ago. It was five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably, but I still have them not. Not even unwrapped. Still, no, go the get these ones. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. This Are isn't a plug for Beat. Price, I believe, um, was around. Yeah, there, like one sixty nine or something like that. Mm. Here's the thing, though. I've, I'm not even kidding you. I've spent thousands of dollars on headphones yeah. over the last fifteen years. I mean, they matter. Especially I've been for everywhere, like Brookstone. I've got the Sony's, the Bo- like everything. Wow. Okay. This is a big deal. Ten minutes of headphone talk. Yes. Are we ready to what dive are you in? Buzzing oh, on. Oh, oh, it's not oh, just about me. Buzzing. Um, product wise, sure. I don't really know that there's any new products that I'm buzzing on. Um, you got some new bangles. Yeah, I got some new jewelry. I did get. I will tell you really quickly. I've had a vision. So, if you don't know, I love shoes. I've had a vision of a piece of art Ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to say this series because I am very serious about it okay. this piece of artwork has three pairs of air forces so it's the same shoe like physical physical okay. yep and they're in these acrylic boxes and they're beautiful the last piece that I wanted was a hand-painted pair and they just got delivered and they are fire so I am buzzing okay that the the young woman came through she hand-painted them they're beautiful eventually I'm going to get this piece of artwork set up in my living room. About the fireplace? No, it's going to go on this wall over here. It's going to be three sneakers on the wall in acrylic boxes. Visualize this like as if you're in a museum with the museum lights coming over. Uh, Brass museum lights. Perfection. So I'm buzzing about that. Sounds like it. Yeah, I'm super excited. That's cool. I'd like to see, well, what's the timeline on this? When are we going to I get have everything. Now it's oh. just somebody coming install. over to help me. Okay. <laughs> it's installation now. Is it like a professional type of install? Or no. Can you just I mean, my it? dad is very professional, so. Shout out it's to dad. Yeah. Old juicer. Yeah, old juicer. Um, okay, so that's what we're buzzing on. Was there anything else? Let's see. Anything you're... Are you still watching Marcella? Have you moved on? Oh, I... I like the show talk, because the show... I feel like that's yeah, very current. You know, I am trying to finish it they just you know what's so disappointing is when something was so good for a handful of seasons so Marcella was great for two seasons and then I don't know if they got a new director or something happened they totally flipped the script Mm. on what the story is about and so this third season just I cannot get through it so I literally switched to Project Runway oh that's what I'm watching oh no I was thinking of um what's the new one they did because that's with Tim Gunn yeah. and Heidi Klum. Making the cut. Making the, the new cut. One. Yeah. And one. I love Tim Gunn. 
Um, but make it work. Yeah, yeah, I love him. Use the accessory wall wisely. That's right. But the new one is actually really good. It's okay. not. It's with one of the winners, Christian Siriano. Oh, it's still going. Um, so they switched. So making the cut is where Tim Gunn and yeah, Heidi yeah, yeah. Klum they went. Left. And then on Bravo, I'm pretty sure it's Bravo, they kept Project Runway going. Uh. Now this, I'm on season 19, so I think I missed the other two that Christian did. These designers are fabulous. Like they are, it is so good. So I've been watching that. I was just on a trip. And whenever I'm on an airplane, like I, I like, that's what I do. I get to catch up on everything. So I'm loving Project Runway right now. That's a fun show. I we watched Making the Cut the last two seasons. I think the only two seasons. Yeah, it's it's good. It's I'm good. not even a fashion person, but I it's good. It's pretty fascinating to watch how fast they have to come up with these elaborate things and how just like brilliantly creative people are. That's what always. Okay, I will admit. I do watch The Voice too. Okay. I love The Voice. No it is shame. so incredible to me how many talented people we have out there that you just, you know, unless they're big mega stars, we just don't know about them. But these, the last season of The Voice, these artists were absolutely incredible. And then, you know, they haven't made it really. Oh. None of the ones. <laughs> <People's>, <laughs> always like, people's, I know, because always people's knock to me is like, the voice is like glorified karaoke because who is famous that you heard that ever came out of the voice? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it is about that show, but they have the most incredible singers, but nobody ever like quote unquote makes it in mainstream really? media. The winners yeah. don't go anywhere. No, really? Yeah. Is that though? Like with American Idol, for instance, these hop waters, I apologize already. In advance. It's like, I'm drinking this hop water. It's good. But then it's like, immediately I got to burp. I got to save it. Oh, you know, I got to get really? off cam. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't just do that if that's why you brought you that up. You looked like you were brewing <laughs> one up, though. So, so just, we might have to make some cuts, or, you know, if you hear kind of a distant belch, I was, it's definitely Kaisa. That was not what I was um, doing. So, with American Idol, though, are there, I mean, I guess I just know Ruben Studdard. Yeah, and I mean, Kelly, Kelly Clarkson, Clarkson, who's now on The Voice. Oh. So, I don't know if it's so saturated at this point in time that they're not really like quote unquote making it. I'm not quite sure. I do know because a handful of people have said to me, Taylor, that the voice just ends up being glorified karaoke because none of the people that win the voice have really made it. And if you know of anybody that has made it to mainstream, please, please let me know. The other thing though too, is just because you can sing really well, well doesn't mean you're going to have a successful album, right? Or or you're going to make it as a, as a, there's a a lot more to to star quality. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That makes me think of, Oh, uh, the the hip hop um, one that we were watching, where D Smoke won. Oh, it's not a spoiler. Alert. It's like three years old. You yeah, that's old. You can't get oh mad. my gosh, what was that? Oh, what was that? It was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But they, I don't think they ever redid that. No, I don't think they did yeah. either. But that was cool. And yeah. like out of it, D Smoke's like a big artist. Yes, like you're he right. Did I? I want to well, say he was. Amazing. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's voice. what I'm buzzing about. Okay. 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 It feels like we need a better transition into like from buzzing to. Well, we can just do a tailing. And that's today's buzz. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Cut. Um, no. Okay. Seriously. So today, I, I think we're going to go back a little bit in time and talk about, I think, we're possibly talking about where I started with my movement and then getting into yeah, what just my your, story. Yeah, your history of movement, 
the, the different, you know, things you well, where it all started. Yeah. And then that journey and then more specifically around like injuries yeah. and how to, how they affected you, how you worked through them and how that plays out yeah. today. What I learned from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know this story. I, I think a, a lot of people don't know the story. I actually started my movement career when I was probably nine or 10 months. I was so young that I wasn't crawling. I actually didn't know how to crawl yet. I was pulling myself. My mom put me in a race at Nordstrom to win a pair of shoes and best believe I won. So my whole movement career and shoe obsession started in that very moment at nine months old. And then for me, movement was always an outlet. There was never any sport that I, as a young kid, was like gravitated towards or obsessed with. What happened for me was- Wait, 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 wait. One question. Yes. What what was the shoe? I know. I don't don't, know. Mom doesn't know either? No. And we have a picture of me in the race, but there's no clear picture. I mean, it was a Nike. Okay. And it was like a white little shoe with a pink Nike. But kids' shoes at the times, I think it was just like a generic little Nike sneaker. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a Baby Force or a Jordan 1. Like, I can't, it was not any of those. And I just, we got to go back to this actually really quick. So there was a, 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 how old were you? I was, I mean, I think I had to be nine or 10 months. I was so young that I was, I was not even technically crawling at the time because I pulled myself. <laughs> also, maybe I was a delayed crawler <laughs> and I should have been crawling, but I like army crawled my and way. What was the event? I'm just trying to like kind of wrap my head around like how, where this was going on. You've seen this picture. So yeah, it was essentially, it was a mat that they rolled out on the floor. But like, what was this like on a Saturday to bring people in or like yeah, what probably, was going on? Yeah, I have no idea. It wasn't idea. like a company picnic. No, but my parents had a theme of doing this because my sister won a coat at REI for like drawing okay. a picture. Like I think my, you know, whatever. My parents had four kids. They were sure. like really trying to make it work moment. Well, they didn't have four when I was winning the race, but. I just feel like that doesn't happen anymore. You can't it, be winning shoes. I don't think it probably does really okay. happen anymore. But so it was at Nordstrom and it was just essentially probably my mom was shopping and they were, you know, like, hey, do you want do you and your kid want to try Come to win a pair seven. of shoes? <laughs> the race is about to start. And it was, you could, you can see in the picture, it's like a rug that they rolled out that had, so this is probably something that they do because it's like they had a rug for yeah, it. Yeah, for it. Yeah. And so the parents, my mom was on the other side and just like, come on, Kaisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, I mean, I was like to the gold. The, the other kids didn't even make, like in the picture, yeah, people like are all over. The rug yeah. And, yeah. And I am like, straight on. Okay. So right. I, I always. Because we've talked about it, but I'm I like, as you're telling the story now, I'm just, okay. Yeah. Wait, what was going and on? And you know, this is a factual story because you've yeah. seen the pictures of this. Totally. Yeah. So that's a yeah. very real story. Shoe obsession and, you know, obsession with movement, I think happened at the same time there. So for me after that, one of the things that's always interesting when I look back is I never gravitated towards one specific sport. So for me, it, when you look back now, it's very clear. Like I always just love to move. And I, I definitely, I always say I have undiagnosed ADD, but I had a lot of energy, chaotic energy. And I think in order for my mom, like she knew very clearly I needed a place to put that energy. And so I did everything. I did ballet, swim team, gymnastics, soccer, baseball. I did everything. I just, the moment they wanted me to compete at a higher level, I quit Hmm. and went to a different sport over and over and over again. I mean, it'd be so funny if my mom was here like telling the stories, but four years old, she's doing gymnastics. 
the team wants her to go like for the the junior olympic like team the moment my mom asked me like hey this is so exciting do you want to do this she said i was like no (laughs) i quit gymnastics i'm not showing up i was like mom i'm four years old you were listening to what i was saying she's like you were a very intense four-year-old look i got a four and a half year old yes yes there are times you don't you know it's not worth the arguing so and for her she was very clear like i'm not my kid doesn't i'm i would love them to like move but she doesn't need to be pushed into something if she's not wanting to do that so that's how i kind of transferred from sport to sport i did swim team um but i wouldn't i i literally said i wouldn't compete so i did all the practices did all the swim team just wouldn't compete so there was definitely something inside of me i think probably my perfectionism uh you know fear of failure all of that comes into play i'm sure a therapist could sit here and talk about why i did that but i knew at a very young age I enjoyed movement. I enjoyed practice. I enjoyed the team, the sport um, from in everything that I did. I just did not want the pressure of competing. Did you, can you remember, like, did you have some crazy losses or anything that you can like remember at a young age? Like I think of like River, my son, like he does not like losing. I mean, I think most four-year-olds don't like losing, but like he is very, like he loves to run. He's very athletic. This is I'm kind of like personally coming from, I'm curious for my own situation. Um, But like, I don't, he, we're trying to teach him how to lose. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, dude, you can't, you know, cause a lot of times it's like, Hey dad, you want to race? And you're like, yeah. And you know, I'm going to obviously crush him, (laughs) but you got to let him win. But then you're like, wait, I can't just be letting him win all the time. He needs to know that reality is like, I'm a much bigger, (laughs) stronger person. Like it's okay to lose, but I'm just curious. Do you remember losing and it being like a big deal? I don't remember losing and it being a big deal. I remember a few things. Like I remember the one swim competition that they finally convinced me to do. I did the wrong stroke. So it was so embarrassing because everybody was doing the butterfly and I was doing breaststroke, which is also a way easier stroke to be doing. In the competition? In the competition. And so in my mind, I knew that the entire, like you're all staring at the pool and everybody's going in butterfly and then there's me out there doing the breaststroke. Oh. So there were moments like that, that just like the embarrassment of it all. Oh, yeah. um, but I don't remember that losing at a young age. It was just the pressure of having to perform because even softball, for example. So I, w- I was really good at baseball. I did, I did co-ed baseball. I did baseball with the boys. And then it got to a point that they wanted me to do softball. I did softball. I loved it. And then they wanted to, essentially they offered a position to do a boarding school. And I was like super excited about it. But the moment I started realizing like the pressure that goes on to go away, to leave my parents, leave my family, go away to do softball 24 seven to essentially make it to college. Couldn't do it. Yeah. It's weird though to think you, you didn't want to perform. You're like the performer. Really? Oh my, come on. (laughs) No, you come on. The outfits, the social media, you're in the limelight all the time. Well, social media wasn't chosen in that. Social media wasn't chosen to be like seen 24-7, but there's certain things if I have control over it, like Mm. outfits. Like, of course, I, I absolutely wear clothes to be seen and to stand out. But the thing was, it was an age thing. So when I was in eighth grade... I had been playing soccer for two years, was good enough. They wanted me to play on a on a select team, like on a premier team. And at that point in time, I was old enough to 
basically know that, okay, I could handle this. And so I did. And that's when I started getting into more serious soccer. And so I think it was an age thing for me. I think at 12 or 13, however old I was, <clears throat> I knew I could handle it. I didn't handle it very well. I didn't, I didn't handle the losses or the failure. I'm still not handling it well. Oh. I was just telling Mike that I played in a oh, yeah. soccer game the other night. And? And it was so bad. That you might... I want to quit. I'm not going to quit. But this is this is old patterns repeating themselves. And I don't know for me when I'm out there and I'm actually like going through this motion of like, why are you so upset right now? What this is so many people, all the other women out here are having fun on a Monday night. What what does this mean for you? I don't have the answers, Mm. but disappointing people or not being as good as I think I should be, or maybe I think they think I should be is debilitating yeah. to me to the point where I wanted to walk off the field and cry. Well, I think everybody comes with different <clears throat> reasons. And I don't think yours is wrong or right or theirs is wrong or right. I think, you know, some people come to compete for themselves or whatever, or it feels good. Some just want to get away from their kids or husband or wife or partner or whatever. Some want to have some sort of like fitness, whatever it is. I think they're all different. And to say that everyone's just there having fun, I don't, you know, there's a lot that you're probably not seeing either. But I think that like, I mean, it, you know, it sucks to lose and it sucks to like not feel like you're performing well. I feel like this with like snowboarding over the years. Like I, this year, I still haven't gone this year. This is like the first year that I haven't gone in I don't know how many years. And there's this like, feeling that it's like slipping away. And then, you know, there's like a weird... I don't know if it's grieving. I think for me, it's probably more of a grieving thing. It's probably different because I don't show up and it's like, if I don't do a certain performance when I'm snowboarding, it's not. Yeah. It, it used to. It used to. When I was trying to get good. But that's an individual sport. So here's the thing. For uh, me, I have the thought process of letting down the rest of the team. And I'm constantly out there like, oh my gosh, I should have I I made that run or I should have stopped that ball or I should have known where to be. You know, it's, it's different because then you're disappointing a team and it's yeah. like... Whatever. So for me, that's a very real thing. It is definitely in my DNA because it's still something at 36 years old that I'm working through. Um, But at that point in time then, so going back into the history of like my movement career, at that point in time, eighth grade, that's when I got dedicated to soccer. So soccer was essentially my committed sport all throughout high school and and totally the sport that I was going to go play college, uh, go to college for. Mm. Um, and then track I did just to stay in shape. My mom was a track athlete and she just basically said, this would be really good for you. Just go stay in shape while you're doing, or just have something to do while you're in your off season. Um, and then I ended up being technically better at track than soccer. And so it just, ba- it came down at the end of the day to, do you want to go D one track or do you want to do D two soccer? And it's so interesting because I look back now and I'm, I know that my ego, I wanted to do D1. Like that was a really big deal to me. And being, you know, an athlete that your entire high school career, your entire career, you're trying to make it to college. D1 is a way bigger deal in University of Washington in my hometown. That was a way bigger deal than Seattle U, which is where I was committed to for soccer for D2. And so I ended up doing that in the worst, best decision, because I think there's so, so many learning lessons that happen being at University of Washington and doing track and all of the disappointments that I had to work through. Um, and so it's really easy to look back and wish that I had gone and played soccer. But I think I, I just, I don't think I would be here today with the passion that I have with what I do now if I hadn't gone to UW. Hmm. 
Did you ever score? Did you ever <laughs> score a goal for the wrong team? Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I was really into basketball and I will never forget the feeling of like scoring on the wrong team, you know, for the wrong basket. It was so just like how I've played this game so for so many years. And for like you have this moment where you black out and you just you see the hoop and you have the ball and you're so excited and you make it. And then you're like, why is no one happy for me right now? And then you feel like the biggest idiot ever. Did you ever do that? Um. If I if that ever happened, which I don't remember, I would tell you if it did. Yeah. Um, it happened because it like accidentally ricocheted off me, not because I got sure. confused on the field. You you didn't take it. You didn't seize the moment like I did. Okay, I feel like I may have done that in hockey as well, which is probably why my sports career ended in eighth grade, where you started. They were like Mike. Yeah, dude, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pulling good. you off we're now. We're all good. Um, um, yeah. So you so you went to UW for track when so now okay so that i mean that's kind of like well is that the what happened then yeah so so going backwards a little bit i was very dedicated to soccer i was super excited i actually committed so you sign a letter of intent to seattle university i was doing track at the time and one basically you want to get a lot of points when you go to state so one of the coaches said can we have kaisa do a heptathlon which is seven events over the course of two days. And she's get, I was going to state for probably a few other things like long, long jump and maybe javelin and 200 or something else at the time. But they wanted me to go get some more points for the team. I had to learn the rest of the events. Kid you not several weeks before the competition. And it, I ended up placing second overall in state for the heptathlon and it gave me a high enough score that I got to go to junior Olympics. And so at the very, so my senior year track was going, everybody that's a college athlete, like, you know, you were already getting ready to be committed your junior. Like, you know where you're going, you know what's happening. And at my senior year, I have another opportunity. So I ended up doing really good. I got a high enough score that UW was super interested. um, And it just came down to making a decision. And what is the junior Olympics? Junior Olympics is, um, it doesn't, it's not actually like what you do before you go to the Olympics. I don't really know. I, honestly, I'm is out it, of the track world to understand why. Like global? Yeah, so we were, it was, oh, cool. we went down to Oregon. So it was like, it's like national. Oregon. Well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it global? Yeah, 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 totally. We drove four, 400 miles down to Oregon. <laughs> no, okay, but if you... <laughs> Okay, but it is global. You're if saying you but know you went to another track state. and field, okay. Prefontaine, yeah, yeah. Oregon, University of Oregon campus, massive. They've had so many Olympic trials there. Like that's why I was saying that it was a very big deal. That's where we went. Okay. Junior Olympics happened. Do you think? Just because you mentioned it, now I have to ask. This is a total bird walk, but the story in the Prefontaine movie on how the Nike swoosh happened—it was like a <clears> mistake or something. Is that like? Do you think that's true? Do you know as someone, a connoisseur of Nike? Yeah, I actually don't know You don't know? Do you remember that movie? No, I didn't watch it. Oh my God, really? I don't really watch movies. You should watch that movie. It's good. I should do a lot of things. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Oregon, okay. pause. What did they say? Like somebody accidentally scribbled? I was hoping you remembered better. It was something like... 
now we're going to have to come back to this. We're so sorry for letting you down. Yeah, when we, well, people are probably like cringing because they probably know the answer. Yeah. They're, they're like, like, it was this. Idiots. I thought you were a Nike person. Yeah. It was kind of, it felt like a Hollywood moment to me. That's what I remember. Like, okay. Like it was kind of a little too fun, you know, or it was like mud splashed on a shoe or something. Cause they were basically like making their own shoes. Oh for yeah. I mean, they were something. making the waffle bottoms. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So anyways, okay. Could have been true. Um, and then how did you, how did you, I, I may have missed it. How did you do at the junior Olympics? I did. Okay. I think I got fifth. I don't think. Okay. Was it, what was it like? It was very intense. Yeah. I mean, it was my first, I wasn't that serious about track. So for me at the time I had done track as a, fun thing. And honestly, it's probably why I was pretty good at it because I didn't actually care that much. And so over the course of my career and then moving into more like now my later career in movement mentally is where I understand I was so weak mentally as an athlete. And so if I didn't care about track too much, I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. That's probably why no I perform better. Yeah. Mm. And so, and I did okay. It, w- there w- it was huge pressure. Like the stadium was crazy. I was not, I had been to some invitationals, but this was very intense and it but it was in a good way the taste of what was possible and so i think it was after that that i committed to university of washington okay mm-hmm. um do you think looking back this is again kind of a this is coming from my own um greedy uh or not greedy that feels too you want dirty. me to tell you how to handle river yeah 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 <laughs> okay. so do you feel like well because we're kind of going through this point right now where we're starting to be like okay what sports should we put him in he clearly like what you're saying yeah is very much our experience like he needs to be out there letting energy out that's just very clear and we like when we take him swimming he goes a hundred percent a hundred percent of the time. And he throws a huge fit when we leave. Cause he doesn't want to leave. Like he's just like that all the time. Do you think if you could say, do it again, or if you could, you know, change anything, would you say doing all those sports and never having one that you sort of stick to? It sounds like you're shaking. It looks like you're shaking your head. Yes. At this yes. already. Okay. Thousand Versus like kind of being like, Hey, let's kind of try this and stick with it. I mean, I think it's, I think it, there runs the spectrum of answers here. So I, What is true is if you are doing one sport, which so many of the girls on my team were doing, they had been doing soccer since they were super, super young and almost all of them, most of them were injured by the time they all had interest in going to college and playing soccer, their bodies couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. So there is such a benefit to, for me, like for my parents allowing me to do anything and everything, my body was so much more durable. It hadn't done the same thing over and over again, where so many soccer girls had, you know, hip problems and knee problems, um, for just doing the same thing over and over again. So I think that is a huge benefit. I also think competition is so high at this point in time that the reality is if you are thinking that your kid's going to go to college and play, they probably do have to be pretty dedicated to their sport. I Mm. just hope that they get more well-rounded training. You know, for me, like I never lifted a weight until I went to college. We never did any, the only other training I did was running around a track because I wanted to stay in shape. That's what we knew at the time. I didn't lift weights. I didn't work on anything other than soccer and my soccer skills. So at this point in time, there's such an advancement in youth sports and how to take care of the body. Um, But yeah, and I also just think like mentally kids, I think there's so, it's so important to try other things and to see what you actually like. There's, you know, the pressure from parents is, very intense. Yeah. And for me, it's definitely like, 
I actually, I like don't want him to play a lot of sports selfishly because um, I'm like, well, I just like, you know, how many people make it, right? To where like your sport is your career. Like how many, you know, have you watched The Last Chance You? Shout out to that show. It's so good on Netflix. But like, I'm, you know, it, it, like go give your all and for however many years and then like you're, you're first out of I'm, high school and you're like super injured and, you know, there's like I'm a, totally going to argue with please you Please do. I think sports... Whether it's sports or whether it's something else that they're interested in, help kids get through life. Totally. Like, no, I agree with I that I would 100%. not be here if I did not have sports. So I think like whatever it is, it's not that you have to make it at the end of the day and go to That's college. That's what I mean. Like I don't want, I hope that like he's really into things but doesn't put it at the like, this is what I'm born to do. Or maybe he does and yeah. he learns a lot about himself. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think there's a big difference when things are coming from the youth, the kid who's making a lot of those decisions rather than the parent pushing. I think that's where, and I saw a lot of parent pushing throughout because, you know, soccer at the time was one of the biggest sports, especially for young girls. And it's, I mean, it still is, especially in Seattle. Um, so you see a lot of that. You see a lot of parents living out what they wish, you know, was their career, totally. you know, their childhood through their kids. And I think that can be detrimental. Um, but I think kids finding sports or finding something else, maybe it's music or it's art or whatever it is, and having some type of an anchor point and a guide through the most challenging years can be life-saving and, and teaches them so much about themselves. Yeah, totally. I am such a different human or like businesswoman because of what I've learned about myself through sports and teamwork and, and movement in general. Yeah, no, and I 100%, like I said it wrong. I, yeah, I just like, I see the, basically like my experience was I was not in sports in high school. I was like a, just a stoner kid with no real things to do unfortunately mm -hmm. right but then and then I always like kind of envied all the like athletes I was like man that's so cool they're so strong they do you know they're so popular and then post high school a switch flipped for me where I was like I you know I just need to take some initiative and I had a little group of friends and we started like working out I felt really good and then over the years it's like all the people who I looked up to as athletes in high school kind of like just went so downhill, yeah. right? Like they couldn't move. They didn't really do anything. They worked these jobs they weren't excited about. Like, you know, and it's when you're in the moment, like when you're in high school, you think that moment is forever, forever, right? And it's, so it's just been interesting. It's like, I'm actually super grateful. I, I think I missed a lot of things by not having those team interactions and like being pushed where, you know, beyond what you maybe want to do, not just like physically, but just, you know, like showing up and like having to be consistent, um, but then I'm also grateful for, I think I have such an appreciation for movement because how I found it and what it really gave to me. And it was purely from, from me, like I found it and it, it sort of like it enriched me and it, you know, fulfilled me. So it's just kind of interesting of like how the journey or, or people's relationship to their yeah. body or to their performance when they come from sport, it's like, you know, um, my brother-in-law, he's like, he was big in sports and like, poor dude, his knees are like messed oh, up yeah. and he can't like run with his kids. You know I mean, there like, are so oh, many man. of the girls that I played with that are super injured and super hurt and mm. will never really be able to fully recover from that for things that happen. And also 
back in our day, like there, again, like I was saying, there wasn't a lot of ways that, that we were like taught to take care of ourselves. Running was our warm up, like jogging a lap around the field. We did not mobilize. Like we did not really do anything. So just the care for our bodies was super lacking. How has that changed? I mean, I think at this point in time, I think people are becoming so on a daily basis, people are becoming more coaches are becoming more aware of how to take care of bodies, how to hire people that know how to take care of the bodies, how to have, you know, a skills coach, like your coach as a soccer player, your coach understands the game, understands, you know, how to play, but maybe doesn't quite understand the human body. And so I think there's so much more going on. You have these huge academies that have the strength coach, the physical therapist, all these things, you know, they know how to warm the kids up, how to cool them down, how to recover them. There's so many other things that go into being an athlete just because the evolution of athletics is happening. It's so different now than it was 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah. Well, cause we're watching cheer season two mm-hmm. and I, I find it kind of fascinating sometimes like when they mess up, it's like hundred pushups and you're rolling mats and I get it. Like, you know, it's punishment or whatever. And, I, but I'm like, kids are puking and I'm like, you want them to throw, you want them to have the energy to do it right by throwing these humans in the air, like 20 feet and then catch them. But you want to add on a hundred pushups because they did it wrong in thinking that that's going to prep them better. Like, it's, that to me old seems school. super old school, but this is like 2021. You know, it's yeah. not old school. Like it's yeah. now school, but, but it is old school. A lot of coaches don't have, they're not trainers, a lot of coaches do not come with any type of an athletic training background or like, you know, they're not certified trainers. I also just, it may, it's cringeworthy to me because it's the constant thought process that movement is punishment yeah. and just got that relationship or just, you know, so many kids that are got in trouble in school. What were they told to do? You got to go run laps mm-hmm. after it just, it's this constant thing that movement is punishment with just, oof, just yeah. you know, and that's, and there's some sort of, even with that, it's, it's been spun, in a positive, like, uh, like that's cool. Even, you know, like it's not cool when you're going through it, but then it, you know, it's like no pain, no gain. And that still is so strong. And it's, yeah, I think it's changed a little bit. It's changed a little bit. I just don't know if that's going to die. I think there's just so much of that culture that is not like idolized, but that, you know, that no pain, no gain, like how tough can you be? Like, that's just glorified in a way that I don't know where it's going. It's the same conversations that we have about sex in the fitness industry and why it always has to be about like the body and sex cells and this, that that's not going anywhere. Just like, I don't think no pain, no gain is going anywhere. We just like choose not to have those conversations anymore. We choose also not to like fight against that. I think we just choose to offer a different perspective and a different conversation. Yeah. We don't have to appeal to everybody. We want to appeal to to you know the people who we, we want to do want to appeal to everybody but yeah okay. one day <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well <laughs> yes change the narrative change the thought process yeah. offer something different true absolutely true i stand corrected yeah that brings us to injuries dun, 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 dun. what have you suffered <laughs> in your athletic career i have suffered knock on wood not too many, but the ones that I have have been life-changing. So I tore my ligaments in one of my ankles in high school and ended up recovering from that and was totally fine. But when I got to college, as I had mentioned earlier, I had never lifted weights. So I had never had such an intense training regimen. And when you get to college, especially division one, 
I hate to say this, they don't really care about you. They, they really don't. Like you're, you just are in there and if you last, you make it great. If you don't, tough luck. So because I was doing the heptathlon, I had five or six hours of training on the field and then I had two hours of training in the actual strength, the strength and conditioning room. Those coaches never really talked. <laughs> so there was no, like, Kaisa just had a crazy hard day out on the track. She's exhausted. And then let's just max her out in here. And for someone like me, who I'm genetically more muscular and I pick things up pretty quickly, the strength coach loved it. Like, he just thought my sport was strength and conditioning and lifting. And I love him. I will not say his name. I actually, like, really loved him as a coach. And I think he brought a lot of good out of me, but it just broke me. So I had every injury possible. And most of them were overuse injuries. So I'd stress fracture my femur. Um, I had torn or like overworked muscles left and right. I don't think anything actually tore until I tore my labrum in my shoulder, tore my labrum throwing my junior year. And that kind of, that was the last straw for me. Um, you were like out, like you couldn't compete. You... The reason why it was the last straw is because over the course of the the previous two years, I had started to take away things. And I finally decided in order for my body to be healthy enough to compete, I can't do the heptathlon anymore. And so I chose to just do the javelin. And the first season that I chose just to do the javelin, I was so excited. We went to Alabama. I threw, I had a regional qualifier. It was like ranked, I don't know, number three or five or something on UW history and tore my labrum on that throw. And so because you had a regional qualifier, any team wants your points when you go to regionals. And so, and the only way to get those points is for me to compete. So rather than allowing me to get the surgery to fix my labrum, because I probably wouldn't have healed in time, they wanted me just to do PT, which anybody knew at the time wasn't going to heal me. Um, And of course, got to regionals, got to that time, and I couldn't do anything. Like you tried or you just were like... Yeah, I mean, we were trying up until mm. then. It was like months and months and months. I toured at the very beginning of the season. Regionals, not till the end of the season. And I just had had enough at that point in time. I think for so many, for those three years, there had just been so much of me not listening to my body and just fighting my body and just being so disappointed and so upset about not ever living up to what I thought and feeling like I had made such a mistake by going to University of Washington. I should have gone and played soccer. Like there was just, and I was young. There was just a lot going on at the time. Um, and so for me, I, I quit my junior year. So that was the end of my, uh, track career. And then I finished out school. Was it junior or senior? I think it was junior year. And I finished out school. Um, you finished out your junior or you went your senior year? No, like well. I finished school. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. wasn't on the track team anymore. How was it? I mean, was that your first year? Not. Ever not And it's cra- It's crazy you're saying this because I don't remember. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know if I blacked it out. I don't remember. I think I was so fed up at that time. And just so broken and so just upset. Like, that was not a good time for me. And feeling like I had, you know, you're not only disappointing myself, I had made the wrong decision, I'm disappointing the team. There was just a lot that went on at that point in time. Did you get the surgery? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. How'd it go? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, should have gotten it right away. Sure. (laughs) But yeah. So for me, that was kind of the end of my college career, but then getting out of college. And it's the reason why I became a trainer. So I had, I was just so fed up with feeling like at that point in time, nobody took care of my body well enough. And then I was irritated at myself for thinking that somebody was going to take care of my body. Even those in charge, even my coach, even the physical therapist, even the strength coach, nobody took care of my body. So the only way to get through is if I 
start learning about my body and take care of my body myself. And that's why I became, that's why I got certified. It's not, I had no interest in being a trainer at the time, but that's mm. why I had an interest in getting, I, so I went, did um, NASM CPT, shout out to NASM. Um, and that was just to learn about myself. And so, cause I started training myself after that. And I felt like I haven't reached my full potential. Maybe if I can train myself and I can heal my body, maybe then I can, you know, go do something epic. I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Oh, CrossFit. Mm-hmm. That's what I got into. Dun, 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 dun. Did you I, have any injuries there? Oh, I was torn apart <laughs> in CrossFit worn apart but the missing link this whole time was always that i didn't know i i didn't listen to my body so i didn't know when enough was enough and i didn't know how to recover and so it was constantly that when and at that age early 20s you kind of can go 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 and you go 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 until you break or until you perform and you know peak but i kept breaking and you kind of it's yeah in crossfit i mean i don't know anymore because i'm not in that that um, space, but it's kind of celebrated even, you know, and everyone's wrapped oh, yeah. up all the time and taped up all the time. And, you know, it's very, it kind of just comes with the territory or at least it did. Yeah. I mean, I had to leave the gym. So we competed, I competed in a strong woman competition and won it. Um, and then as we started to train for some of the, it, the actual like CrossFit games, it got to a point where my coach wanted me to do, I remember the one day I came in and he wanted me to do a heavier lift. And I just knew, I was like, I don't have it. Like, I don't have that in me. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And I don't want, I don't want to get injured. And I remember that moment of like speaking up for myself and he, it was like, nope. And so I just, I, I, I quit <laughs> and yeah. I didn't go back to CrossFit after that. So it was a moment of like standing up for my body and yeah. honoring my body, but it also continuously happened where I had to get to those really pivotal points where my body was trying to tell me something, trying to tell me something, and I didn't listen. And I, I hate to admit it, I actually didn't listen after that because then I went back to soccer. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you, let's hear about that. Yeah. So then, so, okay, this is just, you just have to visualize this. I am, I'm mid-20s. I'm, I'm early 20s at this point in time. I just have this whole thought process my entire life that I am going to be a professional athlete. Like, mm. at some point in time, I'm going to be a star fill in the blank, soccer player, you know, track star, whatever it is. And just the more that it just keeps not happening, I, I still, this flame inside of me did not die down. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. So then it was like, what's the next thing? Okay, CrossFit, I can do this. Nope, can't do that. Okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to compete in soccer. So um, I was doing co-ed soccer at the time and trying to train and do all my other things and work was crazy. So I was already exhausted and was playing in a soccer game. And this was very intentional. The keeper kicked me and it totally, it broke my leg. Broke my leg at that time. (laughs) It was so bad. So bad. And I knew it at the moment. And this was when I had just started on social media by myself. So in the moment of him kicking my leg, I'd already taken the shot. Like the shot was already off. This was a Tanya Harding like moment. Oh, it was totally. But it was like so, you know, when you play... There's a lot of us that have a lot of energy when we're playing like co-ed or like, because you think you'd never lived up to what you wanted to, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of energy there. So, and, and I was good and I was playing forward and, you know, I'd probably already scored a few times on him. So, Ooh. you know, um, <laughs> but anyways, I remember in that moment, I remember thinking like something is wrong. Cause I really, I, I had to crawl off the field and 
just the thought of like, why again? Like, what am I missing? How has, how have I gotten to this point again? When for me, my entire career then was on social media and putting out videos and doing this, like, what was I going to do? Um, and so of course went to the doctor in the morning, my leg was broken. Um, but it was a most, you didn't even go to the ER that night. You just, no, I come from a mom who is like, you're no, you're fine. Mm. We don't go to doctors. I broke my thumb. She thought she pulled it out. It was like, you just jammed it. You're fine. You're like, <laughs> yes, I come from a mom that's like, no, it's not a big deal. Although she did that. I think the next morning she was like, oh, this doesn't sound very good. Like I'm going to take you in. So yeah, so leg was broken. Um, but that was a massive turning point for me. And I've never been the same since because in that moment, leg was broken. I was at my lowest low. I remember sitting on the couch fully in just the darkest moment ever being like, what am I going to do? How do I like, how do I move through this? And it was the fork in the road where I thought, okay, my body is trying to tell me something. And she has been trying to tell me something for years upon years upon years. This is a moment that I'm actually going to listen to her. This is a moment where she literally broke my damn leg. So I had to sit down and pay attention to what she was saying. And for me at that time, I, I say this a lot, I am more than my body. And I think I've lived it out throughout my entire life. But this was that real moment where I am more than my body. I understood she was my best friend. And for third, whatever, 20 years, 28 years at the time, I had been ignoring her, not listening to her, having expectations not taking care of her and so I started talking to her like she was my best friend I remember I was like holding my leg like listen if you heal faster than the doctor said if you can kind of speed this up right now I will do anything and everything to take care of you and treat you the best I possibly can any twinge any anything that comes after this I will listen to you I will not push through it it was also the moment where my desire to be like some star athlete died out. Like I just thought in this moment, this is a one body that I have. If I don't start taking care of her, like what am I doing? And that was a completely, I mean, it gives me goosebumps listening or talking about it because it was a completely pivotal moment for me. I got, I called my brother and I got up, I have a bright pink cast on and I was like, hell no, we are going to the gym right now and I'll do all upper body and core. And so I started doing that and then I started putting it out on social and it just kind of like took off from there. But that was that pivotal moment of thinking like, this is not, I am going to learn what this injury is trying to teach me. And my thought process ever since then, when, you know, things do happen when you move a lot, things come up, um, has always been, what is this injury trying to teach me? Rather than being super upset I'm upset in the moment. Let me just say, we do all have our For moments, sure. but rather than dwelling in that, I'm, I'm constantly having the conversation of what is this trying to teach me right now? What is my body? Like injuries, I always feel like are your body's way of talking to you. Your body was probably talking to you before that and you just didn't listen. So what is it trying to say right now? Um, it gives me a moment to reflect on other things that are going on in my life. Maybe something else deserves more of my energy at the time. Um, so yeah. And so how did that play out? Like all, all this sort of, tr there's this big transition. What like, it, I mean, it was amazing for me personally. I, I completely switched direction. So I think, you know, I, I quit playing, I quit playing soccer up until like two weeks ago or mm -hmm. two months ago, whatever. Um, and I just really thought about how I could move and care for my body rather than having expectations of her not living up to what I wanted and still trying to outwork her or overwork her. 
um, I let all that go. And it was totally, for me, movement became like this very healing place. Um, it, had, it had always been a healing place, but in a very different way, because there was like a, a push-pull with my body that it still had always disappointed me. And so in that moment, I just realized like she is my best friend and I have not been treating her right. And so from this moment on, everything I do will be like putting her as top priority. That's when I started doing mobility and I started learning how to really like recover my body if I wanted to go do all the crazy things that I still wanted to do. I also had to honor that she needed to be taken care of better. So recovery became a huge aspect in my training. Um, and ironically, I became the best athlete that in my entire career at, you know, 28, 29, 30. That's when I kind of started peaking. So how does that feel? I mean, it was amazing. But the thing is, is because I came from such a perspective of like just caring for my body and having fun with her and and like really listening to her. Like I used that all as a moment to be like, Every single day, like she knows what's best for me, whether it was like what to eat or what to drink or like, you know, how to move that day or anything. I just was guided by her. Like at that point in time, it was a total switch in how I took care of my body. And I, that's when I started training like crazy. That's when like social media started going crazy because I was doing all these crazy fun things. I was loving it for the first time I was moving in such a way that I was having so much fun. And if I failed at something, I didn't care. You know what I mean? It was like, I just was having the most fun ever. And I think for me, that joy is what started happening on social media. You could see me working out and doing crazy things and smiling. And so that kind of like my social media career took off at that point. Um, and so that was, that was the biggest turning point for me career wise, life wise, body respect wise, like in so many different ways. So hmm. shout out to a broken leg. Shout out to the, did you ever name <laughs> the broken leg? No. No, you don't go that far. You no. talk to your leg. I talk you to it. Don't name her. No. Okay, okay. What's interesting is you're talking about all this, I'm thinking like the whole like no pain, no gain, or you got to do more, do more, do more, like two a days, three a days, like you just got to do more basically is how to get better. And I'm like thinking through this and I'm like, oh, but athletes continue to get better. And they're probably doing less, like they're getting more, like you're saying, like recovery and specialized like treatments and strength and all these other things. So I was thinking like, like marathon runners, I'm sure in the past, they probably just like ran a lot of marathons. And now like a lot of marathon runners, like probably don't run more than like 15 miles or something. I hear a lot of this with like endurance, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you train by doing less so that your body can be in, yet to do more exactly which is really it's a hard concept because i think it's like it's breaking that mold of like what we've been told for so long absolutely i mean i think i think the concept of like understanding the human body understanding recovery you talk about athletes most athletes at their prime any trainer would know like you're not actually trying to get the athlete that much better you're trying to keep them healthy mm. that's really how you train them and take care of them and i think at this point in time the concept of recovery is new to so many people like how to really take care of your body in order for it to go do and perform at its highest level you've done all the work to get there you know sometimes it's still a little bit more skill training but you've done a lot of that work it's maintaining and then it's keeping your body healthy and for human beings too, like the older we get and the more we have expectations of our body and just the more tired and, you know, older our body gets, like we need to value recovery. Recovery should, people never believe when I say this, recovery is half of what I do. Mm -hmm. I work out hard, I recover hard. 
harder, honestly. Yeah. In most of the things. So how do we, I mean, I guess we, we know we're trying to spread that message, but like how, I guess in general though, you're looking, you, you see there's a lot like recovery is now an industry for general population, yeah. which there, I don't think there was really much of a, you know, the, you didn't have, um, rollers, Therabodies, you know, therabod- roller, exactly yeah, all these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so mobility though, like that was a big one for you. I know. Obviously yeah. that's like your whole thing. And like, it's so strange to me though that mobility is still something that is like yeah, un- you just don't see. And for me, like when I started doing mobility, I mean, I actually learned mobility like at CrossFit, but it was very, it was like using a lacrosse ball. It, it, like it was very like specialized in in kind of almost like a like a PT or chiropractic experience, which was like just kind of it felt like a lot, yeah. and it wasn't like. You couldn't find a flow with it, really. Yeah. And it was... And because I feel I feel like you're touching on... I think uh, mobility... Like, any type of movement like that, other than, like, yoga, always felt very much like physical therapy. Like, you only did that if you were trying to recover from something. Mm. You only you only took care of your body in that way because an injury or something It was happened. like a triage type of Absolutely. situation. Yeah. And this is... Shout out to John Hardy, because I had a mentor when I... Probably my first few years becoming a trainer and he really talked about how muscles react to what's happening at a joint and so for me it always was in my mind of understanding you know we pra- we do a lot of things to lengthen our muscles you know a lot of yoga is like lengthening your muscles doing all this and so I always had in my mind that if I can actually get my joints to be happy and healthy and move my muscles will react to that and I don't mean to even like get too like technical about it but your muscles are not they're smart, but they're not that smart. So whatever is happening at the joint, if they don't, if they feel like there's a lot of restriction, they're going to be tight and hold that in. Like they're going to be scared about that. If you practice more movement, then it's like literally greasing the wheel and your joint can move more freely Then your muscles are going to relax and move around that. And so for me, it was always a concept that I was super interested in. And I just started playing with it. I knew that if I was going to do something to recover my body and take care of my body, it couldn't be boring. <laughs> I wanted it to be fun and spicy and I wanted to get my sweat on. And so I just started playing with it. And it became what I did as a warm up and as a cool down. And in the beginning, I wasn't having like full mobility recovery days. I just had my routines. I would warm up for like 15 plus minutes before I headed into my workouts and I started to see my performance change. And so I was super bought in because it was fun to perform at such a high level and to feel good in my body and then knock on wood. I started not having injuries. Yeah. So it just became this like cycle of like, I felt so good in my body. I felt like, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but you just feel like I can do anything I want to do. I just felt so good in my body. And so I just kind of like, that's how it all evolved and, and carried on to we're here today. I'm 36 and recovering four days a week and training hard three. So I'm feeling good. That feeling is scary to me because because anytime it ha- I'm like I feel really that workout felt really good like my body feels really good I'm like what's about to happen But isn't it crazy I always say this you have no idea how shitty you feel and how basically you live your life feeling like that in your body until you start feeling good mm-hmm. until you start moving and I know so many people think like I'm in pain I can't move I've got to do something before no you need to move just in a very gentle way and the more you start moving your body and the better you start feeling like oh my gosh I have felt so shitty for so long yeah like to check in with your body and be like yeah nothing hurts right now yeah. <laughs> you know like I'm feeling real good feeling like I get up and but then on the flip, though, sometimes I'm just like, why do I always like I like lately? I like I wake up. I'm 38. I wake up. 
I'm like an old man sometimes in the morning. I'm but just kind of. You do a lot. Yeah. You move a lot. You do a lot. You got a kid. You're stressed. And I always say, like, the more you move, the more you're going to feel. You're very connected to your body. You know, there's a lot of people that go throughout life that aren't even connected to how, you know, bad things hurt. But you're going to feel things. Yeah. You cannot fight age at this point in time. But when you wake up and you do some of your mobility and you go about your day, like when you have your routine, you've completed your routine, does your back. You oh, know, no. That, I always feel better for sure. Yeah. It's just that, like, you know, here I am uh, more than a year, no drinking, you know, and I'm like, I'm the most active and I think mindfully active I've ever been. And I'm like, I want to wake up at five and be like, hear the birds chirping and just pop out of bed. And I, I try, I hate, oh, easy now. I hate to burst that bowl. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. It ain't real. Imagine how you would feel though, if you weren't moving. Totally. And I think that's always like starting to put things into perspective. If this is how you feel when you really, you are very intentional about how you take care of your body. Imagine how you would feel if you didn't. Yeah. And also some of the things that we never value, like imagine you have a lot more energy because you move and you take care of your body and probably cause you know, you don't drink and you're, you're Need to get. I need to get on that train a little bit more. But there's so many things that we don't value until all of a sudden it's like taken away. Like you're a very healthy human being. I hope so. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Kaisa. No, I'm just saying. No, but I like know, this is this always happens yeah. until we're like, wait, but hold on. Like at this point in time, to be 38 years old, you could get up and go do almost anything you wanted to do right now. You could go surf, snowboard, which you do. You could go run. You can go do all those things. Those are the things that we need to put value on. Yeah, you know, you're going to sure. wake up. We are going to probably always wake up and be a little creaky. Mm-hmm. Just like, do we take care of our body in that moment? Do the extra things that we can go out and do what we want to do? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like I definitely, like when you say, oh, but then you do your mobility or you, you do, you know, you do your warm up or whatever it is. How do you feel? And it's like, yeah, I always, I just need that to sort of center me to get to my like kind of baseline. But it was funny enough, Brian, I was telling you, I started training with Brian yeah. and we did like a little mobility warm up that I just always do. And then I do a little, like a, another warm up. So it's, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes. And he's like, you do this every time before you like work out. I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, you must feel good. He's like, I should just do this every day. And I'm like, absolutely. You should do this every yes, day. And you, and you forget that like people don't. You know, because we're in this like industry, we're all, I feel mm-hmm. like it's like, of course you warm up or cool down. But then you talk to, you know, I, I work out with a friend or something and it's like, they just like go right into something heavy, you know, or yeah. I had a heavy kettlebell recently in the garage and I had friends over and they were like, how much does this weigh? And they're like, can we lift? And I'm like, you don't deadlift that right now. That's like not it's like good. Warm up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's a thing too. I just, I think it's a perspective thing. I think it's like being... I think it's being very realistic. And of course, for me too, I mean, I turning 36 this year, like just paying attention to, I can't do what I used to be able to do, but I also am not trying to be the old Kaisa. Like I'm trying to be 40 and feel as good as I can in my body when I'm 40 and just be very thoughtful about as I get older, what does that evolve to rather than constantly going backwards and be like, but I used to be able to do this and this and this. And I just, I'm going to wake up and you know, like I'm going to be a little creaky and I have all the tools now to take care of myself and be mindful and thoughtful about the way that I move and, you know, let go of those, let them come in and out the expectations that I'm, you know, not 30 year old Kaisa, but be excited about what four year old Kaisa is going to be. What do you have for, for the listeners tips when you go? Cause like 
we're always getting injured. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. We were talking about this earlier. Like, you're not going to not get injured. Like, it's going to happen. Most likely. But, yeah, I guess it's not for sure never yeah. going to happen. But what do you, like, what are some tips? And the reason we're saying that is because if you are moving and pushing yourself, there you're kind of always on the brink of you're pushing yourself. Something might happen. And I, so I... I try not to have a negative mindset about injuries. I mean, I think if well, you're- in pause, like I get injured from sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not even about like, we are just get like your body is going to experience weird trauma. Like you're putting a glass away the wrong, whatever with your shoulder and it's something happens. Like mm-hmm. it just, you pick your kid up wrong. You grab mm-hmm. a can of beans, whatever it is. So not always tied to that. Like you're, you know, pushing yourself. Yeah, true. Not always tied to that. But I always say the more you move, the more likelihood that something is going to happen. And it's okay. I think the way in which you approach injuries matters. Like having a mindset. I try to have a mindset of what is this? What is this teaching me right now? What's going on? Were there things that were happening in my body that I could feel that I ignored that I got to this point that I should have listened a lot earlier? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And then what can I do in this moment instead? I, I hate to be like, you know, trying to be like super positive, but injuries are gifts. There's been so many times that I've had little injuries. I've been out for a week or two and they force you to sit down for a minute and take an evaluation of everything else that's going on. There's a lot of other ways to work on being the healthiest version of yourself. It's not always through movement as much as we love to move. Um, it's not always through movement. So maybe something else in your life was lacking and really needed a little bit more attention. And injuries are your body's way of trying to communicate with you. And so listen to it. Like, what is your body trying to say? Your body always knows what's best. So what is it trying to say? And are there other things in life that could use some of your attention right now? And most likely, yes. And sometimes it's just the season that you're in. Mm -hmm. You're overworked, you're tired, you have expectations. That was a season that I was in for two years in COVID. And I'm sure so many people were. You're tired, you're exhausted, you have expectations. You're not meeting them. You're disappointed. You're overworking yourself in work and in the gym and all these other places. And your body's just not having it. So take a minute to listen to it. Yeah. And I think in those moments too, yeah, it's like, don't push past it. Don't try to like no. prove it wrong, right? It's like, hey, I just need to take a break. Yeah. And and a break is okay. And I think there's the other side of it is when you're like you're saying, when your body's really trying to communicate with you. Like for me, I had a shoulder issue going on for a, kind of a long time. And it was minimal enough to where I could do everything that I wanted to do, but I would always suffer a fair amount of pain after doing it for a few days. And it wasn't until I really had to like learn what like don't just keep doing that or trying to make it stronger like what's happening it ended up being my my lat which was a huge thing yeah and that's like i don't even there's also this other belief that i have like your you know your body is attached to a lot of emotional things that are going on and sometimes you may i'm not saying this is you but sometimes you might not even understand where this injury is coming from but it also has to do with like some emotional baggage that you're holding Mm -hmm. i feel like that's been very true to me a lot but i i definitely think also when things are happening there's other ways to move So a lot of times when we have an injury, we think, oh, I'm done. Like when I broke my leg, like what am I going to do on one leg? Oh, what are you not going to do on Mm. one leg? You know, there's a lot of different ways to move and take care of your body. Injuries often slow things down for me. So I get to pay a lot more attention to slower movement, more recovery. So I, I think injuries are gifts. I think it's the way that you look at it. I think it's your body or the world or the universe, somebody trying to tell you something. So try to listen. And it doesn't, the outcome in the moment 
doesn't care or you know the the injury doesn't care if you're positive or negative so you may as well try to look at it you know through the best lens possible yes. right because you can sit there the the injury already happened yeah now you're injuring yourself further by suffering absolutely yeah, yeah. and it's hard i mean totally. first of all i never want to sound like the person that's like be positive be positive i think you're have those moments mm-hmm. like if something happened to you and especially you've been training for something and you got injured it's just so fucking frustrating and and you get angry and sad and have all those just not living in them, you know, for an extended period of time is what's important. Yeah. And allowing time to like, look at what you could be doing differently. Mm -hmm. Like I, I started walking. I remember last year where I was going through a thing and it was like, it was like, there was a point where it was like, walking's not, what I want to be doing, you know? And then I started to be like, wow, walking's actually kind of yeah. fun. You get to really just like get slow fresh down. Air, totally. Maybe listen to a podcast. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I think human nature is to get in a routine of life and we hate anything that pulls us out of our routine. But sometimes I just think it's so, I feel like the biggest lessons for me have happened when I've been pulled out or challenged in that way where, and when I choose to look at them in the sense of like, how, what, what can I learn from this? Like, how can I switch something up? What can I learn? What am I like? I probably, if I look back, have been getting up to this moment for a long time. And now this is that final peak. Like, am I going to learn from this mm. or is something going to get even worse? So I just, I think it's being comfortable, being mobile and flexible in life and, and taking the lessons as they come and, you know, rolling with the punches. Yeah. And I do think that's real. Like what, you know, it's always easy to say like, after it's happened, like I always learn from, you know, my mistakes or failures. But when you're going through the failure, it's like the hardest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And you do not want to hear that. But I do really think it's real because I've experienced these things in the last like year where I'm, I can pause for a second and give myself, is there a learning moment right now? Like I know I'm steaming whether I'm mad at something or frustrated with myself or whatever. And there have been moments where I can pause and go, what, what is really going on right now? What can I learn in this moment? And there's been like really big success for me, especially like in relationships, you know, where there's a whole different topic, but I think it's similar in the sense of like work, like you start to feel a little thing in your shoulder, your knee or whatever. And if you can just pause, well, what's going on? Maybe I should, maybe I should drop this. Maybe I should move on from that. Maybe I should call it today. Maybe I should just call it. I don't have anything to prove, but it, but you know, if, but that is a hard, that is not a very practice thing, but. Okay. But it just makes me so excited when you say this because, and I don't want to go on like a crazy tangent or like sound crazy. I mean, I can sound crazy. I don't care. But when you start listening to yourself in those moments, like in the safe space of movement or in the gym or in your garage, wherever you are, and you start building that respect with yourself, that translates into the outside world. That translates in how you understand your world when you're in a dynamic and a situation, maybe with people or maybe at work or something else. Like that connection that you have with yourself through movement or through through those moments and strengthening that applies to everywhere in our life. That's why I'm so passionate about movement. I'm like, when you learn about yourself and you learn how to listen to yourself and know that like, no matter what, no, no, I'm, this is telling me something and I'm listening to it. I don't know what it's telling me. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to back off and I'm going to do whatever. And then it happens in the outside world. Maybe you meet somebody or you have, like, you're supposed to make a decision about something and you just know like, this isn't the right thing. My body doesn't, it hasn't let me down here. Like I know it knows the right thing to do. And for me, it's just, it's something like when you go into the gym and you have these reps over 
and over again. It's something that I've started to believe in and apply to my life. And it's in my safe space at the gym or of the studio. And it happens now in my everyday life. And that's where I feel like I really get to the point. And I don't mean to sound like overly positive, but sometimes it's like exciting what the learning lesson is going to be. Sometimes it's exciting to know that like, no matter what I'm going to make it through, even if it's like, seems terrible in the moment, I'm going to make it through because I know I'm making the right decision. We've we're connected to ourselves, Kaisa and Kaisa, very connected, and we're going to make it through. And all the expectations that I had of life are ne- like, you don't, life doesn't happen the way that you expect it to. So if you have the ability to just pay attention to yourself, listen to yourself and roll with the punches, good things are going to happen or you're going to be able to make it through. It's not always good things. <sighs> yeah. You just, you, you, you strengthen that endurance. Absolutely. I mean, right. Through it. Yeah. And right now, like for me, family wise, I'm going through some shit that I never in a million years would have thought that I would have been at. And it's like, I know for a fact that the, my ability to show up every day and be okay is because I trust myself and I am so connected to knowing like I am doing everything I possibly can and doing the right thing for myself and for others in this situation. And I'm just very clean and clear about that. And so I get like, you know, some people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I can com- compartmentalize in that way because I'm new. I am doing everything I possibly can. And most of that is learned through, it has been learned through movement with me. And like that trust that I have with myself has been, has come through movement and listening to myself and knowing we're going to make it through. Like we are in a dark, hard season, but we are going to make it through. Yes. Yes. That's good. Shout out to movement. <laughs> I think we could probably wrap it up there. Oh, God. On the dark, on the darkness? Well, no, but you, you, but you're saying we could make it through. Yes, we can't make it Because I think it's, 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 it's dishonest to, to act like the darkness is, I, I think it's more likely the darkness is going to be around. Oh, yeah. And you, you know, you got to learn how to persevere and how to, how to deal with it. Because and be in it. Be in it. Yeah. I, that's the thing for me. So much of where I'm at now, I realize I, I always am, for so long I've been looking like, how do you get out of this? Ah, I don't want to be in this place. How do I get out of it? How do I get out of it? And, and the place that I'm in right now, it's not, I have no control over it and I'm, I might not get out of it for years. I don't know. And so it's how, how do I manage in these places? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where so much of our lives are. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot are lived so that you can like reach some peak moment of happiness. (laughs) And then, and then all the rest of your life that you're not there is like, what, like not worth living or like, you know, and, and for me, I'm, I am just trying to enjoy the journey and you find the highs and you find the golden nuggets and you can have the endurance to make it through the lows or the dark times. But I don't know. I feel like I, I am, I have done so much work to be comfortable and confident with who I am and the decisions that I'm making that you don't have that internal kind of like rub anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you can handle the outside rub Mm -hmm. because you know, you know who you are and fucking doing the best that I can. It kind of reminds me to tie it back to like the core, (laughs) right? Yeah. Cause the core is kind of at the center of all the movement. Yeah. You know? And so if you have that strong core and and just, yeah, it's like your foundation. You got that rock, that solid foundation. Yeah. You can handle with when things get shaky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love it. That's a better note to leave okay, on. Okay, there we That's go. That felt more inspirational. <laughs> I just don't want to leave so on inspirational. The oh, wow. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Okay, but on a real note, thank you so much for joining us here today. This has been a really awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew we were going to go on the twists and turns. Nor did I. Of this conversation, which is kind of the theme of everything that we do. Mike and I start with like one anchor point, one thing to talk about, and then 
as with every conversation, we talk about everything. Um, but these are so fun. This is therapy. Yeah, no, it's in great. and of itself. It's what we do anyway. Therapy. So it's, it kind of puts a little bit more focus, you yeah. know, and we're not like setting gear up and like about to yeah. like work. So it's kind of nice to just sit in and a focus. Talk, yeah. yeah, and have the talk. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks for showing up. Thank appreciate you. you. Likewise. Yeah. And for everyone that tuned in, thank you so much for listening and making it through this podcast with us. We are very excited to keep having these conversations. We, we would also love to hear any feedback that you might have. Um, if you have any interest in hearing us talk about something specific, yeah, please let us know. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you back on the roundtable very soon. Peace.